Daily Thrones is on the air. It's a quick look at the world of ice and fire, and it's Friday, the end of a long, tough week for a lot of us. Yes. Oh, yes. Let's escape into the Game of Thrones bu- bubble. Can you escape into Game of Thrones? Is it uplifting? Is there a feel-good episode of Game of Thrones? There's feel-good moments, but every episode kind of kind of weighs a little heavy on you, at least me. I don't know if I'm uh, the only one who thinks that, but... Uh, yeah, let me know about that. Maybe that's not my official topic for this segment, but maybe that's one. What are the feel-good episodes, overall episodes of Game of Thrones? I mean, Kiss by Fire might be one that seems positive. Even when you know what what's going to come for those two crazy kids in that cave, it's a sweet moment. But again, there's a lot of sweet moments. But overall, not a lot of happy episodes. Will we get a happy episode in Season 8? I don't know. Even then... Season 8, we all kind of want it to end a little dark. Ah, we're a weird bunch of us Game of Thrones fans. But it's Friday, so we're going to celebrate. We've got a call about drinks in the world of ice and fire. And we had some good discussions yesterday about how untouchable was Tywin. Is there a reason Jagannagar told Arya Stark back in Season 2, I, I just can't kill Tywin Lannister? Was it just time, circumstance, or is there something more going on? And we were talking about lore versus war. In Game of Thrones, the politics, the war, the fight for the throne, the Game of Thrones. Is that your favorite thing about Game of Thrones? Or do you love getting lost in the history? Now, we as fans do love both. But in terms of the show, what comes you, brings you coming back for more on Game of Thrones? Let's get some of your answers and some more questions here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross, you've got it exactly right with the Bank of Bravos. You have to imagine in this world that... Uh, Tywin is an old man in a young man's world. And not just Arya, but every house out there has probably solicited the House of Black and White to take out Tywin Lannister. But the Lannisters had gold mines, and the gold mines are putting in savings into the Iron Bank before the Lannisters, a.k.a. Littlefinger, starts withdrawing that money and sending it up north for Littlefinger's power play. So... Um, the Bank of Bravos is protecting the Lannisters. It is protecting Tywin. If you remember how Stannis was able to get the money in the first place, it was because they were convinced that once Tywin falls, who's going to replace him? Tywin was untouchable. Thanks. Hey, Ken. Just following up on Billy's call-in from yesterday regarding uh, lore versus war. Um... So for me, Game of Thrones and Star Wars, uh, the things that have brought me in were the lore, the surrounding universe. Um, Star Wars and Game of Thrones are very different in that regard. Game of Thrones, every side character, every side story, it, it all ties in. It all has an impact or a some sort of effect on the main saga of Ice and Fire, the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, Whereas Star Wars, you know, yes, they have all these outside lore books that tie in loosely, but they're just that. They're just lore. A lot of them don't really support the main, quote-unquote, war, the main storyline. Whereas in Game of Thrones, every single thing that George R. R. Martin writes about, to some extent, comes back to have an effect on the main storyline of Game of Thrones. So I think what I'm saying is without George R. R. Martin's lore, we wouldn't be so invested in the war that he's created for us. So thanks for taking the call, and have a great day. Hey, Ken, great question uh, posed by Billy Lore versus War. And on this, on Game of Thrones, I do kind of side with you. I do kind of prefer the lore. The lore for me is what immediate, is, you know, is what sucked me into the world when I first started reading book one to begin with and then reading every, all the other stuff. Uh, 
it just draws you in. I mean, the war stuff, all that's great as well. It's just, the whole thing is just an amazing universe, but I would definitely have to go Game of Thrones, lore over war. So that is two votes for lore. Can I get a taker on war? You know, I've only known one person, actually, who really, really is more interested in the politics of Game of Thrones than the magic of Game of Thrones. Not so much the lore. He, he enjoyed the lore. And that's Spencer Gilbert from my days of co-hosting Watching Thrones. He, he wasn't a fan of the magic in Game of Thrones, but a fan of Game of Thrones, including the books. Read all the books, but he loves the politics more than some of the magic and the lore. So that's the only person I've, I've met that is like that. Normally, all Game of Thrones fans seem to really get caught up in the histories, especially if you are a book reader. You almost have to because that book... Wow, those books, man, they're thick with so much information. You have to take a pen, a highlighter. You really do have to start studying the maps. But to the to the answers given so far, yeah, I think Thomas is right. The lore definitely affects the war in Game of Thrones. And there's not a lot of things that George R. R. Martin leaves on the sidelines. Everything is seems to be up for grabs, even things that aren't. That's sometimes what happens. Sometimes why the... Game of Thrones can uh, have a lot of uh, that speculation that you can maybe bog us down. Remember when Serio Pharrell was for certain coming back? That shadow we saw over uh, when the Waif was chasing Arya and it was a preview for the next week's episode and people freeze-framed it and were like, look, that is the shape of Serio Pharrell. I even fell for it. I really fell for it. I looked at that's his curly hair. That's everything about it. Here we go. Wait a minute. I fell for it. I overanalyzed. And I think Game of Thrones lends itself to that because of the thick lore. That <laughs> George R. Thick lore. That's a name of a punk band, right? Um, the, the, that, the world that Martin has created, it, it lends it, lends itself to the speculation because you can easily buy into the idea that Serio Pharrell could be coming back because you're trying to think that everything matters, that every line, every hint, every plot comes from something else. That is the hound dead? We didn't see him die. Did he die off screen? I don't know. Oh well, guess he guess what he's back. Then on the same token, Stannis Baratheon. He did he die? We didn't see him die. It happened off camera. Let's analyze Gwendolyn Christie's swing of the sword. It seemed a little different. Did she pull back? Oh, well now Stannis is dead. And that that's what happens when you build such a wonderful, rich world. That, mean, that means there's a, a lot of possibilities within that world, which is why I think we all fall for it. So fall deep into it, I should say. It's not that we fall for it. We fall deep into the lore, and it helps fuel the war. The war for the crown is steeped in history. So even then, even if you're just interested in the politics of Game of Thrones, the politics of Westeros, that fight for the throne, it's tied to great histories. It's tied to a lot of houses all the way back to the Age of Heroes. Which is why I think that would be an interesting prequel. It could really, really get a lot more of that lore that we love out there. Well, are there any takers for war? Or is it all lore? We can continue that discussion here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. I'm a war guy. In Star Wars, I'm a lore guy. In Game of Thrones with war, it's because we have a world that's very high fantasy medieval that has a smattering and a sprinkling of very high powerful powered events that take place that we call magic. Dragons, the Night King, uh, Grey Men, okay, the Doom of Valeria. These these events are like natural hurricanes or tornadoes. They come and they go. 
that at the end of the day, it's still about what house is going to take out another house, who's going to control what, who's going to do what to somebody else. And then when a major event happens, you're supposed to hunker down and get things done. But that's why you're seeing things play out in the end game, okay? Because it's still about politics in these natural events. Thanks. What's up, Ken? It is Friday, and I've got a question, a quandary to ask you. What do we like to do when we get ready for the weekend? We like to we like to chill. We like to kick back. We like to have a little drink. Am I right? Well, I know I do. And you are the Drunk Movie Fights champion currently, so, you know, one stands to reason. But here's what I'm asking. What sort of drink in the world of ice and fire would be your go-to? A Dornish Red? Uh, some mead, uh, some dark beer from a tavern, or <laughs> you want to get crazy, have some milk of the poppy where you probably hallucinate and pass out. I don't know. Give me your thoughts, Ken. What's your drink of choice in the world of ice and fire? It is the weekend here in Daily Thrones, and I have had a very tough week. The world has had a very tough week, and do you need a tough week to celebrate? No. It's time to kick back, relax. Uh, and maybe have a drink or two. And Mark has a great question about what would I be drinking in Game of Thrones. There's a chance after the week I've had, and a lot of people around me have had, that I would take the milk of the poppy. I take my chances. I see what uh, could happen there. Um, but I've always been intrigued by this Nordish wine. It seems to be the best in the land. And sometimes I say this on a lot of shows I'm on. A lot of the times I'm punditing about movies or Star Wars or Game of Thrones. Sometimes the obvious answer is the answer. I don't want to overthink it. Everyone loves Dornish wine. Everyone craves Dornish wine. There's something about Dornish wine. I'm going to go for Dornish wine. Seemed to work well for Ober Martell until the very end. But hey, he went out with a nice cup of Dornish wine in his belly. I guess he'd be happy. Tyrion really loves wine. I'm sure he would tell me that Dornish wine is the best. So I'm going with that. I'm going with that. That said, I'd make do with what I, whatever I had. If I was in Molestown, I'm sure they don't have Dornish wine. Whatever swill they have up there, I'd take it. If I was north of the wall where, you know, a lot of my attention sometimes is in Game of Thrones, Mance Raider hands me a cup of whatever ale they have, I'll take it. I'll go for it. I'd be okay with that. What are you going to drink in the world of Game of Thrones? How would you kick back and relax? Let me know. I'm off for the night. All truth, I do need a good weekend night. Uh, I'm going to have that right now. You guys are always the best here on Daily Thrones. Keep your calls coming. i got some great questions in the queue. You guys have got some, got some good calls in. Jeff, Sir Thomas Atal, you guys are posting good questions. We're going to get to that during the weekend. So you guys let me know more about war versus lore. Why did Jaganagar not want to kill... Tywin Lannister. Any crazy theories? You guys are the best. I'll see you at the uh, see you tomorrow and all through the weekend. Don't forget to favor the station so you don't miss a broadcast. Listen to the daily podcast. That really helps. Good numbers are on there. I want to build a community through that. So appreciate your support. We'll see you next time on Daily Thrones. <laughs>